0: Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, everybody, welcome. We've got a uh, good crew here around the table. Mark is to my left. Welcome back, Mark. We did a couple of podcasts there for a bit without you. I know. I was missing you guys. It's good to have you here. Not sure. Uh, I think some people are going to be listening to this around late April or so, so we'll hope The world is in good shape at that point in time. But uh, right now we're able to bring together a really good group. So across the table from us is Mr. Ryan Muckner. We're going to be talking about some cartridge stuff. And we know a lot of you like hearing Ryan's thoughts on cartridge things.
1: And for the first time to this podcast,
0: Seth Toy,
1: Across the Table. Here I am. Happy to be here. Welcome. Long-time listener, first-time participant. Yes, excellent. Well, we appreciate <laughs> yeah. you tuning
0: in. Yeah. And uh, you are going to discuss some things that are very cool and related to 22LR. We're going to yes. we're gonna kind of do this in segments, if you will, and, and kick it off going into a little bit of the history, almost like our own 10-minute talk on just the 22LR. Would you say, Mark and I were discussing this a little bit earlier, Ryan, would you say the 22LR is actually america's cartridge
2: yeah even more it, <laughs> so maybe
0: than the 30-06 or the 30-40 craig or whatever else you got up your sleeve 308
2: well rimfires existed kind of there's almost like a convergent evolution situation with metallic cartridges because there were rimfires at various points in the world at a given time now the 22 lr yeah i would say probably america's cartridge because um, who
0: hasn't shot one that shot a gun it's everywhere Maybe if you haven't
3: even shot a gun before, you just don't remember you actually have shot a twenty two. Well, let's do a quick exercise here. The first, you know, cartridge Mm -hmm. that you fired, Jim, go. Nine mil, sorry. Are you serious? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) It was my brother's (laughs)
0: Beretta. (laughs) Fair enough. He was like, hey, this is what I carry. And then it was just kind of like, cool. And I shot it. And then I think I went to a twenty-two right after
3: that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you know, let's get. We'll, we'll continue the exercise. I ruined it, Ryan.
2: Rimfire. Speaking of twenty-two long rifle, is is actually an evolution of the rimfire rounds. It was not the first twenty-two rimfire. There were others, uh, and then it stretched out and stretched out. And it's not even the last twenty-two
0: rimfire. Yeah, but because, the first one you shot.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, I got a little weird there, uh, <laughs> I know. I was like, how are you
0: going to give us a history? Oh, I actually
2: think the first cartridge I ever shot was a forty-five ACP. I, what
3: the heck? This is a Sorry, Mark, well, I ruined your exercise. No, everybody, every, like, I, honestly, I shot <laughs> a .22 first. Ah, Thank, there we go. I'm a standard, right.
1: good old-fashioned, red-blooded American, and I shot a .22 first.
3: Myself, <laughs> uh, in that camp as well, 50%, but uh, <laughs> I tell you what, um, I my, uh, my confidence level was so high, You're we're going to go 100%. Listen. Sorry it, about that mark. Yeah,
2: it was my grandfather. He had a very different way of doing things and it was it was the 45 ACP. You're not so,
3: you're not waiting in to the pool. You're jumping yeah. no. But but
2: but it surely <laughs> sh-
0: knockdown power
2: Correct. of the
3: 45
0: ACP.
2: And he had that mentality. Yeah. It was 100%. Uh, and from there it became
0: the 22 long rifle. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. The 22 though so you were getting into the fact that it wasn't the first ever rim fire. No. But it, it has become kind of the rim fire. So, sometimes fact. people just say, when they just say rim fire, they're just talking about the. The assumption LR, is 22LR. Right, LR. Right,
2: yeah. right. How did that come to be? So, interestingly, you could look at it a couple different ways. So, there was gallery shooting, which was kind of a, a very common pastime. Um, like you'd go to the fair and they've got the, the pneumatic guns that you shoot the little BBs and you shoot the stars out of. Long ago in a country far, far away, uh, that was the early US gallery shooting was still very popular and also in Europe as well and rim fires were kind of the the arm of choice whether it was a 22 or a 32 even some 45 and 44 caliber rimfire guns were considered these gallery guns and so it was a like um, a game? Yeah. Yep. So it was a shooting game, like knock over chickens, pigs, little targets. Had to shoot a particular. You had to shoot through a ring. If you hit the if you hit the edge of the ring, you didn't win. If you went through the middle, you did. Hmm. It's like darts. Yeah. It's yeah. hard Darts. Yeah. Basically, what it
1: was. Way better. With cooler darts. Could, yeah. yeah. Right. And some cooler. of
2: the some <laughs> of the most fantastic <laughs> innovations in firearms started there. Like when mm. we think of target sights that you would see on on like a. Uh, small
0: bore rifle or even a large bore target rifle. Like one of those Olympian style, like the peep sight at the rear? It, is that similar,
2: kinda... similar setups started in, in galleries. Uh, and these were like very precise aiming devices with like micrometer adjustments on them and, and would have been very like crude firearms in, in modern times, but kind of laid the, the groundwork for some pretty interesting stuff. Um, different shooting techniques, stances, holds things like this, hmm. found their roots in, in gallery and small bore competitions, uh, you know, in the 1800s. And so rimfire is kind of an evolution of if we took a percussion cap that we would find on a muzzle muzzleloader, uh, put a small amount of powder in it, aside from its priming compound, and then a projectile on top of it, squish it together, what do you get? A rimfire. Interesting. So from the uh, kind of uh, pond we crawled out of percussion... ignition on like a a side lock on a muzzle loader into this contained unit that was a rimfire. And it started, I think was the Fulbert, the first 22. Like the 1840s. Yeah. Yeah. So basically the cap and a ball, a small diameter ball (whistles) stuck on it. And then it had a little flange that would would provide adequate head spacing so that it would just stay in place and not go too deep into the chamber. You cock it back and hit it and, and propel that little ball. On the bore. Interesting. Yep. And then that expanded into large caliber rim fires. There are, you know, 30 and 32 and 38 and 41 and 44 and all, you know, all the way up the line. And then we got into center fire ignition. Um, so a lot of those rim fires faded into obscurity or were converted to center fire guns for, you know, modern use. Uh, because the, the rim fire case is like a one time use thing for the most part.
3: Yeah. That's what little. I was going to ask. Maybe explain the difference between a rim fire case and a center fire case. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, in modern times, with a rim fire case, you, you've got a, a solid piece of brass that has no hole in the back mm-hmm. for a, a primer to ignite it. The priming compound is actually in the rim of the case. And so the hammer strikes it, and much like regular priming compound that we would find in a primer, it detonates under that pressure, ignites the powder charge propels a projectile down the bore. So that case is then completely discarded. For all conventional purposes, (laughs) non-reloadable. Right. Now, if you are really enthusiastic,
1: you can reload. Yeah. No. Yep. Yep. No. You can. That's super weird. Yep. And do that, you do
3: it, Seth? I don't because that, I'm not a psychopath. But yeah, that is a whole, <laughs> that is a whole nother level. Is that, is that the test yeah. we need to conduct? Would you reload this? <laughs> if you answer yes, the
2: equipment, get out. The equipment is <laughs> very miniaturized. It's really cool stuff. It's very miniaturized and extremely tedious. Yep. And a lot of the folks that do it are grinding the heads off of matches for priming compound. There's some chemistry involved. The really adept guys have these special little spinning tables that you put the the case on. Super cool. You, eyedropper drop her in a, a like a <laughs> half a milliliter of priming compound, and then you spin the case at a very high rate of speed, and it deposits in an even fashion the priming compound around the perimeter of the rim. What and, are
3: we reloading for ants? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's it's super expensive stuff. Yeah. Like really, really, re- yeah. And there's, I mean, can you imagine the number of People out there that do this—it's like eight guys. Um, <laughs> in fact, you're better off converting your 22 long rifle to a 22 long rifle centerfire, which you can do. No way—that's yep, a thing. Absolutely, they make specialized brass that is 22 LR centerfire. Uh,
0: that's a better, more economically feasible option.
3: Right. What? Right. Because it's very. Strange. I I was just
0: going to learn about shooting pop cans today. But... <laughs>
2: So Learned about way it's more. A weird,
0: it's a weird world. Out it there. is.
2: What's really neat about 22 LR is it used to be black powder, and then it adapted to smokeless. Um, it's very different smokeless powder than we would see in like our you know conventional centerfire rifle cartridges. Uh, much faster burning. Like like. Think pistol powder only accelerated considerably. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, um, so it's 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 got a burn characteristic not dissimilar to black powder, as far as you know. Black powder, like we've talked about in other Boom. podcasts, is boof, yeah, big flash.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, rimfire
2: powder is much like that. You know, for the most part, it's not worth reloading. Uh, at least I, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I tell anybody. Yeah, if you're really looking to get into the weeds on a reloading setup, go ahead and get yourself a rimfire yeah. reloader. I don't know if I ever would ever have that much time uh, to do that. Hmm.
0: Yeah. But it's neat, and anyway. you have a lot of time to do weird stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's like a whole different level.
0: You hunt, you hunt for plants, and I, yeah. you load ammo's stuff. You,
2: you got to pop the rim out and misshape the rim to knock the the firing pin mark out, and then you have to inspect it to make sure that it didn't pierce the brass case, and then you have to reform it so that it has a new rim. Yeah, you got to clean it and prime it, and you got these microscopic powder dippers yep. and little tiny so
1: spoons and scoops.
0: We uh, and and this is this is. My apology is probably the craziness getting into my head. We hardly got to let Seth introduce himself, but as Seth introduces himself and explains why he's into all this crazy stuff, maybe <laughs> not to psychotic levels, apparently. No, but no. Um, <laughs> I'm curious about all the ammo selection now because the 22 LR. There's so much different kinds of ammo. I mean, they got everything from like 22 LR that acts like a shotgun <laughs> to yep. 22 short you have here in front of us and stuff that suppresses to the point that you can't hear anything when it goes off aside from the little rim getting clipped and you know all that stuff anyway Seth what maybe as part of your introduction what made you like this stuff so
1: much for starters it was super accessible I mean every gun shop or hardware store has 22s behind the counter or at least they did before um before (laughs) stuff got weird and so just the fact that You know, you could spend, I mean, back then it was a dollar a box or less for 22s now getting into $3 a box or whatever. But it was a way to get a high volume of shooting done at not a lot of money. And there's no shortage of rifles out there that shoot 22 long rifle really well, but really affordably. And so... I, I was around a lot of, uh, like, bullseye shooters mm-hmm. in the area I came from, and the, the people that introduced me to shooting and reloading at a young age started me on a .22. And Thank it's, you, Seth. <laughs> and it, it's something, there that, you go, Mark. something that stuck with me kind of ever since. Kind of Whatever your level of participation is, there's a twenty two sport for you. So whether you're going to spend $9,000 on a custom bench rest rifle so that you can shoot... Twenty-five perfect bullseyes in a row at a hundred yards with your twenty-two, or if you want to shoot cans or shoot steel really fast. I mean, there's because it's been around since the you know eighteen seventies. People have had a lot of time to figure out that twenty-twos are super fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I, th-
0: I think that's that's the funny thing too, because you think about cartridges that have yeah. been around that long or that were around then, and this little thing mm-hmm. stuck yep. around long enough to still yep. be one of the most prolific cartridges or one of the most ubiquitous cartridges yep. out there. Mm-hmm. I mean that and is Look in anybody's safe. Oh Absolutely. yeah. So Mark, to your to your point too, whether or not it was the first gun you shot, look in anybody's safe, there's a twenty two there.
3: There yep. is one. And and the variety of firearms, you know, you look at its availability in pistols and rifles and you know sus talking about the any number of Auto applications loaders. it's almost yep. like the cartridge that's been adopted by every firearm platform yep. and and a variant of its application everybody
0: wants to do a 22lr conversion kit on any
3: gun they have
0: yep,
1: absolutely it's hilarious yep everything from single action revolvers to belt fed machine guns they make them in 22 oh, because it's so awesome. the best that there is um, actually, I was talking to one of the other engineers that works with with me in, in new product development, Connor McDermott. And I don't know if you know, but he, before he was here working on the AMG team developing optics, he actually worked for Winchester Ammunition. Mm-hmm. And so he's one of the guys who was on the team that developed 350 Legend, actually. Um, oh so wow! pretty interesting, uh, interesting guy. And we were talking about 22 manufacturing methods on the way here, and and he was saying that the machines there, put out more 22s in an hour that I could shoot in a lifetime. And uh, I th- I accepted that as a personal challenge. So I would really <laughs> like to get a belt fed 22 <laughs> and see if I can out outpace the, the Winchester reloading machines. So if anyone you know, knows somebody, give me a shout. That's something I want to do.
0: <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Great, great personal plug there. I like
1: it. Um- well, and also
3: maybe a little bit of segue into Seth, you're talking about people that you work with here at Vortex, but what do you got going on here at Vortex? Yes, please.
1: Yeah, so I'm fortunate enough to work with a really talented team of engineers in, in product development here. So I'm a, a mechanical engineer, and I work on developing rifle scopes and the mechanical components inside that. So we'll work closely with the, the optical engineers to make the sweet stuff that, that we have here at, uh, at Vortex. Very so. neat. Very neat. Living the dream.
0: We're going to talk later on about one of the sweet things that you guys make down in that department. <laughs> it's actually here on the table, so if you're watching, you may get a sneak peek. But if you're listening, you just got to keep listening. <laughs> 22, 22 ammo is, is kind of interesting. Like you said, there's so many different applications for <laughs> it. So one thing I know we talk about in uh, a lot of our other cartridge podcasts, you know, you kind of mentioned what it's good for, mm-hmm. what's, what's its primary use. So I know s- people use it for hunting. Mm-hmm. In in uh, you know especially small game and yep. stuff, but now uh, they use it for plinking mm-hmm. certainly, and now they're using it for even long range stuff. They're using it for. There's always like the the inevitable discussion about self defense and 22s, mm-hmm. and should you do it? Should you not? Whatever, but it's a thing out there. You got stories about 22s use and assassins mm-hmm. and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a cartridge that's done everything. Everything. Uh, training. Let's talk training. Let's talk about one big one, though, hunting. And everybody always is wanting to know, well, what's the biggest thing you can go after with whatever? Mm-hmm. But mostly small game yeah. with 22. Yep. And uh, pretty much like you would say with anything. I mean, it's, a well, you place a bullet anywhere in a good enough spot, and it can take down anything. But, but, but it's primary use. What would you guys say?
2: Squirrels, rabbits, rodents, uh, birds, partridge, pheasants. That's all good for that if your state allows it. You Know that kind of thing. Uh, I've taken a coyote with a 22 long rifle. No uh, way, yeah, yep. It actually was, it worked a lot, a lot better than, than I think a lot of people might imagine it would work. Uh, it was a good broadside shot at a moderate distance, and and uh, it behaved just like it would have if, if I would have taken the animal with a uh, 223.
0: What um, projectile choice are you using when you're going hunting with 22? Uh, if I'm hunting regular small
2: game, it's kind of whatever shoots the best out of that rifle. Uh, that particular Coyote was taken with a 36-grain uh, CCI mini mag. Hmm. Oh, wow. really? Yeah. yeah, You didn't even step it up to the Stinger. No, the Stingers didn't shoot that great, but that was a mini mag. Uh, it worked, wow. worked well. But there's a good, a good report of a gal in, I believe, South Africa that had, and, and somebody should internet search this one and, and read up on the story. I think it was South Africa, had a nuisance elephant that was raiding – garbage cans and a garden and she had fired at the elephant with her rifle and reportedly the bullet went between the ribs and actually struck the animal in its heart and after a period of time it tipped over dead so the 22 yeah probably not a great choice but uh (laughs) <laughs> it, it apparently worked. Uh, and that, that's that been, I guess, well documented. It's been talked about quite a Little bit.
0: Little known elephant gun.
3: Yeah. Absolutely um, amazing. But, I mean, you're you're right, Ryan. I think it's something too important to bring up. Like, you're talking about that coyote. Fairly, you know, I guess, large animal yeah. to take down with yep. a 22. But you hit something in a soft spot, you you know, you poke a hole in its lungs, it's probably going to tip over. And I, and I feel like for people who maybe are less familiar with shooting at times, They have a misconception that the 22 is like the equivalent of like a Red Ryder BB gun. They're like, oh, I mean, if you get shot, it's just a 22. I mean, they
0: practically think you can go around like shooting each other with it.
3: Right. And I've heard people say that. I'm like, are you insane? You know, because you know, you're talking. I was like, oh, yeah, pretty big. You know, it's elephant. the same. It's Way the same bigger.
0: diameter as a two, two, three. Yeah,
3: my uh, no, it's not in
0: the same size. Obviously, you're shooting 55 grain versus you know whatever. But even that's not like it's not that far off. It's, far right. far it's off.
2: certainly more than dangerous. It's deadly. Ask
3: yep. a I mean, of not, not presidents and political figures. Yeah, yeah I mean, cause... not not to get into into, <laughs> into story time, but I will. My my father. Uh, tells a story he and uh, my my grandfather were out uh, picking blackberries it was august and it was back in the days when blackberries were essentially like a non-game species and they always had a, a pump 22 in in the truck with a with a four power scope on it and caught a black bear going across the clear cut and my grandpa basically emptied the magazine of the pump 22 and black bear went in the bushes and. He reloaded the gun and sent my dad in <laughs> after to go retrieve it. And he was dead in the bushes. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Unbelievable. That's crazy. So, I mean, it's, it's, is it going to be your ideal choice? Is so it uh, the one we recommend? No. No. Am I, no. Am I Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as, do, vor-
0: as Vortex, <laughs> do we recommend? No.
3: <laughs> yeah. Do not, do not take that, that tale as like a condoning or a recommendation, but I think it just, you know, speaks to, yeah. you know, I mean, it's not an elephant story. Ryan kind of took the thunder. There's really of that nothing one, but, else you can say after the elephant thing. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs>
2: they don't. Yeah, they don't make things bigger than that.
0: They just so. don't. For uh, the long range kind of stuff that people are getting into now. First off, what is long range? What's the effective range of a twenty two? How do you fathom that? It's weird. is the first time I heard about it. I I chuckled because mm-hmm. people were saying, "Oh yeah, you know, long range plinking with a twenty two or shooting out to a couple hundred yards." Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, Wait, "What?" yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. The same thing that I like to shoot soda cans at 30 yards with yep yep and I'm feeling like a superhero when I can yeah. <laughs> pick one off yeah. offhand at 30 yards.
2: yeah. so long range of the twenty two I think is like anything over a hundred yards is in, in my opinion considered long range. Um, with modern optics and the modern rifles out there, five hundred yards is not out of the question That's bad and and there are people that are pushing that threshold further and further and further every day. And in my experience, 500 is about my cutoff. That's as far as I've brought them with any degree of repeatable accuracy. You know, outside of that, there's so many variables that come into play uh, that it it really shows you your bad habits. um, Mm -hmm. And then any kind of wind, and I'm talking any kind of wind, has you completely out of the out of the runnings for success. What,
0: what kind of bullets are you shooting when you're shooting at long range? Because whenever I think of a twenty two bullet, I'm not thinking of exactly what looks like the most slippery thing in the world. No,
2: they're not. They have bad profiles from the standpoint of like what what we expect. Like you said, a slippery bullet would look like. Yeah, they're they're lead. They're not jacketed. They don't have any racy red tips or anything like that. No, they um, look
3: they look straight out of eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> now they do make jacketed versions, so do they? No. There's, well, there's, Are, there's, there's, there's one
2: one new one out there, oh, yeah, that is lathe turned. But when you see a when you see a quote copper 22 bullet like those 36 grain CCI mini okay,
3: that's what I was thinking. They're
2: of. not jacketed; they're plated, plated, yeah, or copper washed, in which they're like put into a, a powdered copper matrix and like tumbled until the, the copper deposits on them.
3: Now, I'm going to go ahead and assume that that's not purely aesthetics, and there is a, uh, I guess, a sim- it's uh, performing a similar function. Oh, we're at 22 minutes. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to point
0: it out. <laughs> to a, to a, yeah, to a degree. Yep. To a degree, that, that
2: adds a bit of, well, I guess you'll call it like structural integrity to the bullet, maybe keeping it from coming
3: apart. What about fouling?
2: Uh, you'll see it. Like if you, if you shoot only lead bullets in your bore, um, and you were to look at your bore, you'll see a kind of a gray, uh, deposit. And if you shoot copper jacketed or copper clad or plated, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. bullets, you'll see the the deposit of copper all the way to the end of the muzzle. Um, so yeah, I, much, much the same. What I found most interesting when I started shooting this long range 22 stuff was that high velocity ammunition. So over the sonic, barrier mm-hmm. was not as good as ammunition under the sonic barrier accuracy wise correct and it, it specifically extended distances um, mm. so my particular rifle that I use for that that game is it shoots high velocity ammo very well like some of it anyway when we started shooting it at like 300 400 and 500 yards the high velocity stuff was completely and totally out of the running. Like, it, it, was, it was glaringly obvious that that wasn't the answer.
0: Is that because it's getting thrown off when it goes from supersonic to subsonic so much? Yep. Like, that little thing is affected yep. so much? That crossing of that, that barrier is,
2: is enough to completely destabilize the projectile. Because they're not even weighted the same way that a, a regular projectile is. Their weight, like, their mass distribution is different than what you would see in, like, a long-range matchball. They don't even fly the same way. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And when, when we switched to subsonic, it was like flipping a light switch. Uh, it certainly required more adjustment to get there, but the stability was retained throughout the entirety of the range. And when we were shooting at at 400 yards, which is really where like my, my personal rifle shoots quite well, um, if we had if we had a, an eight inch plate at 400 yards, keeping ten rounds on that eight inch plate would I'm going to just say would be easy to do if we had good environmentals. With the subsonics, with the supersonics, it was a whole other ball game. You might get a hit or two. Interesting. Yeah.
3: And it That's was... that seems to be a common theme, though. Like mm-hmm. you know, guys that are doing you know match stuff, or I think even like the Olympic yep. type stuff. I mean, if you're looking for supreme accuracy, guys are actually shooting the subsonics. Yep, yep. absolutely. It's interesting, yeah. interesting to hear too for the long range stuff too. You'd like, yeah. oh man, don't you need enough, you need enough gas to get it out there, right? But
2: and they're, to a point, and it, they don't even call it subsonic; they call it standard velocity.
3: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So.
0: Probably to avoid confusion or people thinking, yeah, oh, not as good. Yeah,
2: because there are some subsonic loads out there that are completely different. They're they're made for doing other things. They're made for, uh, you know, shooting suppressed for like ultimate suppression, and and then you get in some goofy weighted bullets. Like you go all the way up to a sixty grain lead bullet, um, right? Uh, and they've got some twenty nine grain stuff, and. You know, that's a whole other animal, you know, a true subsonic 22 long rifle. Mm -hmm. Um, Gosh, a 60 grain 22 LR. Yeah, it looks so if you were to take a a 22 short case and you were to put the 60 grain projectile in it, it would be the same length overall as a 22 long rifle case would be with a 40 grain projectile in it. And there's, to my knowledge, only one manufacturer that makes it. It's a GIA ammunition or a GILA. I'm actually not sure on the pronunciation. Um, and it's called the sixty grain SSS load, sniper subsonic.
0: Mm-hmm. You need sniper.
2: Yeah. You need a one in <laughs> eight twist to AKA stabilize.
0: It. Um, a one in what? One and eight. So I mean, aka the assassin. Yeah. K2LR. Yeah. If you
2: if you put a suppressor on it, they are comically quiet.
3: Interesting. Even uh I've got a bunch of those, and yep. even even without the suppressor, they they're quiet. Wait, and that they're,
0: is yeah yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Even without it, they're pretty quiet. Yeah. They are um <clears throat> They're good for pest control in yeah. urban environments. <laughs> yes. Well, can Allegedly. you shoot a twenty-two short? Out of a
0: twenty-two LR. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Okay, that's what I thought. So we'll check on that. Though.
2: When we were talking about that rim early in the uh, podcast, to, to, and we were talking about how that rim controls that headspace, um, so making sure that the, the case is indexed properly in, in, the, in the barrel and in the cartridge or in the chamber, excuse me, that rim is the same on a short as it is on a long rifle. It's only the length of the case, the powder charge and the bullet weight that's Gosh, going that to thing is cute. Yeah. <laughs> and they make them shorter than this. If you look at a 22 BB cap or a 22 Fulbert, they're even shorter yet. And they look they they look comical. Um they look like the baby Yoda version. What's the point of those? If you've got one of those old gallery guns that could be chambered in 22 BB or a 22 Fulbert, oh, okay. that's the only thing you can do with them. Very obscure. Yeah. But the rims are the same, the rim diameters are the same, and the mm-hmm. whole rear end of the case is the same. So much like a 357 could shoot a 38 special, yeah, or a 38 short Colt, th- this is like the same thing on a scaled down version. So yeah, you can shoot it in your 22 long rifle, assuming that your rifle will feed them. Yeah. Um, so some guns have a magazine issue that prevents them from feeding shorts, you know, well. But certain guns, like Remington, had a, a rifle called the uh, 572 Fieldmaster, which was a pump action. Um, And you could fill it with, like, 29 22 shorts. And it fed, like, a singer sewing machine.
0: Nice. So it's pretty cool. Mm, mm, mm. How about now we discussed the long-range stuff a little bit. And one of the things we were going to get into in this one was discussing this new thing. Well, at this point in time, I wouldn't say it's new, as though, you know, a lot of people haven't heard of it, but some people may have not heard of it, which is the competitive NRL 22-style shooting. Now, if I recall correctly, NRL isn't... NRL has other kinds of competitions, right? It's, it's yep. sort of a governing body or something along those yeah, lines that it has many different competitions under uh, it. And so there may be other 22 LR competitions outside of NRL, but anyway, yeah. that they were kind of like, what were they like? The first ones or the main ones
1: to make it popular or something? They're one of the kind of organizational bodies. So you have your PRS community right. for, that does the similar style matches. They have different kinds of rules and different things they've agreed upon. Um, people get really upset about the use of tripods in and, and certain instances too. Um, but NRL is the National Rifle League. They're mm-hmm. an organization that has put together a kind of a rule book and a, a, a rifle series, so that you can shoot the series of matches and get ranked with other people shooting these matches all across the country. Okay. Um, and they've they've grown. There's huge regions um, everywhere to kind of get get involved with all this stuff. But one of the things that they noticed, or I assume that they noticed because they did it, um, <laughs> is that. Like, long-range precision shooting is only so accessible. Like, mm-hmm. not right. not everyone has a 1,000-yard range out their back door. Yeah. But a lot of people have 100-yard ranges out their back door, or maybe even a 200-yard range, or there's a, a local club that has a 100-yard range available. And so what they did is they kind of took the similar approach to the, the NRL stuff, the centerfire stuff, and then they created NRL 22, which is kind of, a much more accessible way for people to get introduced and involved in positional pre- uh, precision shooting. Yeah, gotcha. Um,
0: because with a 22 also, and you're shooting out to 100 yards even, you start having to, or, you know, even when you stretch it out a little bit to, say, two or 300 yards, yeah. you're really starting to have to do a lot of the stuff that the precision centerfire guys are doing yep. at much greater distances Just because you're shooting a slower, smaller, more affected by environmental stuff projectile,
1: the really cool like ballistic equivalent that people like to use when they describe NRL 22 is a 22 long rifle is going to drop and be affected by wind in a similar way at 100 yards that a 308 would be affected at 400 yards. So it's like kind of scaling the whole operation down. And then, right. of course, as you get to two, three, four, five hundred 500 yards, things get crazy. It's the equivalent of, you know, there's people that are shooting two miles right now with centerfire stuff. Okay, and I thought you were going to say 22s. So no. Was just, I was um, going to throw the I mean, headset off and you, just walk away. <laughs> I'm sure they have inadvertently shot that far before. Yeah. But um, I don't know that You'll they were something. doing any long-range precision shooting at, at two miles with, uh, with a with fire. That's the next, uh, the next big wave 10 years from now. It's going to be...
0: Twenty-two, king yeah. of two miles. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep. You know, uh, you know how in hunter safety, you know, people say like, "Hey, you know, obviously, be careful where you're pointing your muzzle," and yeah. you know, the it may seem somewhat benign, but you know, the that bullet can travel a long at way. Oh yeah, extreme distances, right? You know, including twenty yep. twos. A buddy of mine that I went to school with uh, was uh, he, uh, took a twenty-two round to the buttocks. Never heard the shot. Has no idea where it came from. Really? Yes.
0: Just something bit him.
2: Where was
3: so, he? He literally got bit. Was uh, it in
0: college at the frat house? Just kind of hanging out. <laughs> no,
3: no, it wasn't there. <laughs> By God, I got, got this twenty-two in my butt. <laughs> Who it was. Put this uh, here? He lived out. He lived in the country. He's from a small town. Lived Jeez. out. Lived out in the country. Wow. So that's anyway, wild, man.
2: I mean, that's terrifying though. Be careful. <laughs> you know, you're out there. Oh. Uh, you know, you, I don't even think you knew what it was at first. You, you lay down, you think, is somebody after me? Did I do something? What side yeah. of fence am I on here? Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway, there, there's, yeah. There, there's another story uh, for uh, you. On that note. Story time with Mark. I so, can, NRL
0: twenty. <laughs> <laughs> How many you want? I yeah. uh, Appreciate that. And one of the cool things I've noticed with people shooting this is that this is kind of, I think I had in, uh, in a podcast, the one where we were talking about choosing a rifle scope. I believe I went on a bit of a rant. But we, um, (laughs) I don't even know if that one's going to release before this one or after. Um, But anyway, (laughs) I was talking about how. uh, You're upset, Jim. I wasn't upset. I was just uh, animated. Um, (laughs) But the whole kind of like a grassroots kind of thing, you know, where you look at. PRS and I'm not going to poo hoo anybody in PRS. I think it's awesome. I think you know uh, some of these center fire long range competitions are really cool. But those the guns are expensive. The yeah. ammo can start to get expensive. The ranges you have to go to or the travel that's involved gets expensive. Yep. The gear gets expensive, and you have a lot of folks now getting and and manufacturers making uh, products and gear that is it's like downsized versions of the bigger stuff, and so uh ruger's got the it's like the rpr but 22 and they're not the only ones there's tons of other people making bolt action 22s that are precise enough or accurate Mm -hmm. enough to compete in these ways the ammo's cheaper the guns are cheaper you don't have to when you get a let's say you went out and you got that ruger because it's the first one i can think of off the top of my head right now let's say you got that that gun that one you don't as much it may and maybe this is just me if I get a twenty two lr that's basically set up to shoot long range for twenty two lr I don't feel the need to change it.
1: Sure. yeah, Because
0: I don't feel the need to start swapping barrels, putting bigger ones on, fluting it, putting in different, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I just, I'm like, cool, put an optic on it and go. Whereas yeah. with the centerfire stuff, you get a little bit more, there's always more you can eke out of it, you know. But maybe it's part of the... Comical almost or or just fun nature of a twenty two. It's like, hey, it's good enough, so I'll use it. Yeah. Well,
2: that Wait. could be changing now too, though. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, yeah, I know. This, this, years, this year when we were at SHOT Show, I think a really common theme was it's the year of the rim fire. I'm
1: so excited. Uh,
2: <laughs> because they're doing stuff with twenty twos yeah. now in rifles, and and I think it's all coming out of this NRL twenty two style shooting. That that perpetual arms race and upgrade race that was synonymous with only the center fire guys is starting to bleed over into the rimfire mm. crowd. Mm-hmm. In which do they have the same
1: like classing structure? There is hope okay. uh, because there is a class structure. Okay. So one of the things that NRL Twenty Two did to make it to keep it accessible yeah. is they have a base class similar yeah. to like the pure okay, production yeah. is it, class. Like, is it so like that's like price. S- it is price based. Okay. Is
0: that like spec racing where base? Yeah,
1: like you just can't spend more yeah, than a certain okay. amount of money or else you're a cheater and you get moved to open division. Okay. Yeah, it's, that's what it is. So, Sweet. So, there, I mean, there are people that are doing crazy stuff with 22s uh, Voodoo Gunworks is making some phenomenally accurate 22s that, well, the new Bergara also, that fit in Remington 700 chassis and take Remington 700 triggers, and they have AICS pattern magazines that fit in the same stuff. So you can buy your... MDT ACC chassis or your manor stuff. And you can do center fire stuff. Everything I said was wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the hope is because of base division or base class. Because what they've done is they have have a cap for the MSRP of the optic and the MSRP of the rifle. Hmm. If you add those two together and it's less than $1,050, then you're in base class and you compete against other people that are in base class. Nice. So that... Well, um, I bet you can...
3: Make a hell of a rig for thousand yes, fifty you bucks. Could. Oh yeah, yeah, and that yeah, yeah, yep.
1: yeah, and especially to be competitive within that range. The other thing that's nice is that the targets, at least for the supplied stages monthly, are are pretty generous. So you could show up with Grandpa's ten tw- twenty two, and you can show up mm-hmm. and you can still be competitive in base class. Whereas, yeah, I mean it, it's it's a little unsettling when you show up and and you've you've got Grandpa's rifle, or you've got the rifle that you got when you were a kid, and and there's a guy who has built a PRS training rifle that's identical in every specification except cartridge to his other one that kind of you know dwarfs you in price range. At least you're not competing
3: against that guy. Yeah, I, uh, I could see that being a little bit demoralizing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we said when I used yep. to shoot
2: USPSA in multi gun competition, it was the same way. Yep. You know you you'd be outclassed if you showed up at a three gun competition if you were shooting a, a you know five hundred dollar Glock that you saved for, where a gentleman's running a you know. Three thousand dollar pistol, right? You know, some, something of that nature. In in those um, base classes, do you see
1: more bolt guns or like ten twenty two style actions? I think I think it's kind of kind of all over the place. Okay. I mean, people have their their Savage Mark twos that they've had. Mm-hmm. The the CZs are a really popular base mm-hmm. class mm-hmm. rifle, and then the ten twenty twos, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I've seen some people that'll even bring like a um, a two fed auto like sure. the the old. Yep. Um, the Marlins' yep. seasons, yep. and whatever. Now, NRL in their rule book does recommend, like, please bring a detachable box magazine sure. because two fed magazines are really hard to keep safe. Yep, just because yes. you're sitting over there unloading 15 rounds into the dirt <laughs> or the hand of the guy next to you. Like, please catch all of these. Yeah, uh, on the you know unload and show clear command. But yeah, I mean it's it's really cool because it's bring whatever you have and you can play. But then yeah. If you're bit by the bug, you can dial it up to 11, which is what a lot of people really like to be able to do. Yeah. Right. Part right. of me thinks, like, that
0: I, how I was explaining it, part of me thinks, oh, yeah, I'd be able to avoid the bug. You get a 22, it's good enough. It shoots well, you do it.
3: <laughs> but I yep. could see how it, it would be. Yeah. I think it'd be difficult to resist because it sounds fun.
0: It does sound fun. And I'm sure that the parts, too, are less expensive than their centerfire cousins. So then you're kind of thinking to yourself... It's not as bad, and then next thing you know, add to cart, add to cart, add yep. to cart.
2: <laughs> yeah, and pretty soon you've got a four thousand dollar bolt action twenty
0: two, and you're shooting a twenty three dollar box of twenty two. Is that
2: what that stuff is these days? <laughs> it's, Wait it's a minute, like oh. this yes. is this yeah. is twenty three
0: dollars. So the, how many are in here? Fifty, 50. rounds.
2: Yep. So it still it still does represent a pretty noticeable cost savings over even six five Creedmoor and three oh eight. Yep. But in terms of twenty-two long rifle, I guess it's
1: spectacularly yep. expensive. So, like the CCI standard velocity, um, which is something I've shot more cases of than I care to admit. When I know my wife might listen to this, it's it's like three dollars fifty cents a box, and it, it shoots really well. Some rifles really love it. This rifle, for example, loves CCI standard velocity. So at three fifty a box, a match is going to be maybe one or two boxes. So. Okay. You know, you're not spending uh, eighty dollars on centerfire ammo to shoot uh, an NRL um, match, but then you can get into you know just trying to eke a little bit more out of your your ammo performance. So um, this box I think was like six or seven dollars, and that's what my rifle really likes right now. And then you can go is that standard. It's the SK Standard Plus. Okay, yep. So then you can kind of step it up to like a Lapua Center X, which is like ten or eleven dollars, which is usually like Lapua. 22 LR. Yeah. Yeah. So they. That's awesome. um, They actually own SK. They're the same kind of thing. And yeah, they're similar. Okay. But yeah, no, no 338s. It's, it's all biathlon rifles and bullseye folks. And then are all 22 people. So you've got the, the center X, which is like $11 a box. I mean, I personally kind of draw the line there for like match ammo is like, I can almost maybe justify $10 a box. To like go shoot a match and know that I'm like eking the limit out of my performance, but uh, then you go to Crazy Town uh, or Necessary Town for some people. Yes, at at twenty plus dollars a box for the uh, the Ely Ten X and the um, like Lapua. They have one up there, but what I don't even these, know what it is. What are, what are
0: these doing differently than this
1: CCI standard velocity? Well, they're going the same speed, which is insulting, <laughs>
3: and they're the same weight. <laughs> but I right. think it's
1: I think it's about. Quality control mm-hmm. and and tolerances. So um, e- even if you look at the box, look if you if you can, <laughs> the, you the can box consider- is engineered. W- you can't even pull the <laughs> little box out of the big box, <laughs> right. and it's made out of polymer,
0: and not pl- like paper.
2: How much these would shake and move in there versus how much yep. those would move? You know whether the box could be inadvertently crushed. Yep. Or how like the the protection of the ammunition in the box is is a component in that cost. Yep. And. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I suppose when you're shooting, especially a discipline like IR fifty, when I when I think of like the Formula One of rimfire competition, I think IR fifty.
1: Like those guys and gals are, they're not messing. Around. Yes, yeah.
2: Like they bring, they make, they make hard topped ammo containers for twenty two long rifle that are foam inserts. So you put your cartridges in there because mm. they're that particular about how that. Bullet is protected from the time it leaves, you know, wherever they get it from, uh, to the
1: from the tap. I guess I don't know how you
2: <laughs> to <laughs> to, uh, to the time they shoot it. So yeah, interesting. There's yeah, a lot going you on. You can't
1: reload for it, right? So you right. got to be able to control every variable that you can control right. to the umpteenth degree. So like the 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 voodoo that I mentioned earlier is a controlled round feed, and so like the thing that makes it particularly interesting is the magazine design and the way it like gently coddles the cartridge and lifts it into position and torpedoes it into the chamber rather than letting it rattle around and shake its way into the okay, chamber it got gotcha. it does not touch anything and it just goes right in and it's you haven't deformed your bullet at all because you haven't jammed it off the side of a chamber wall or a feed ramp you haven't messed with anything and so you just get that optimum like
3: yeah, interesting. yeah that is interesting cause, i mean cuz up, up until now i've been thinking of that accuracy as like separate things, like, oh, I've got really accurate ammo and I've got a really accurate rifle or I've got a rifle that yep. really likes that ammo. Yep. But now it's like, no, it's how is that rifle yep. feeding that ammo? Yep. Right. How is the firing and pin striking maintain, the, maintaining yeah, its safety? Yeah, People get really
2: F- firing pin, I forgot about that. Obsessed with that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It gets bananas. We got
2: a rim thickness gauge. We, w- so we yep. went that deep into it. That's we impressive. discovered that if you took bulk 22 ammo, like you go to the store and you see the brick. 525 cartridges. Got one on my desk. Yeah, exactly.
0: Don't know why I have it there, but it just... <laughs> it's where it lives.
2: We have a customer that frequents us, and, and he was telling me that the key to success, or much of the key to the success, is in 22 long rifle accuracies, in the rim thickness. When we were talking about that headspace changing. Well, if your rim is real proud or thick, it's going to headspace differently than if it's a, a thin rim. Okay. And the firing pin's going to hit it at a different point and you're going to get different ignitions and you might cant or yaw the bullet in the chamber. So he said, get one of these rim thickness gauges and sort your 22 long rifle ammo by rim thickness and do, do a random test versus a lot test with this. And you'll see that your particular rifle at a particular point in cleanliness is going to favor a rim thickness. And it kind of worked. It was very strange.
0: So everything I said about people just picking up twenty twos and being just cool with it is, is entirely you, it depends what on how I'm gathering. Is that the twenty two LR crowd is actually probably the <laughs> most <laughs> anal about? I, I everything. think there's a couple of subsets, though. Yeah. I
2: think you've got your your regular folks that that are like, hey, this is fun and economical and and yep. inviting to all age groups and experience levels, and then you've got the, the fun runners, yeah, the fun runners, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, who have figured out really what it takes to get that. Extraordinarily
3: they're the people high that level. are
0: they're the, they're the, the serious fun-havers. You know, I, was thought, I, I say those. that in
3: jest because, like we've talked about before, those are the people that everybody else benefits from. They yeah.
0: do. They push the yeah. limits. They push the boundaries and make stuff super awesome for yeah. everybody
3: else. But well,
0: there, there, are, there are always those people who take take something fun and everybody else is kind of goofing around it. oh yeah that's super cool and they get really serious about it. I think yeah. that's and still, that's how they have fun though. That's everything though.
3: Yeah. I mean that's that's absolutely I don't care cars fishing shooting 22s whatever. I mean yeah. you're going to have that and I think that's even though we we're talking about that progression of like you start doing this with you know grandpa's 22 or the one that you had and you're like ah oh, that's cool that was fun and then you're like well what if I did how can this? I have more what fun? if I did yeah. that? Yeah. You know and I think that's I like, think that's just human. I think yeah. that's the
1: reason it's been around for 140 years or so. Is every generation has had their opportunity to take the 22, learn on it, figure out how fun it is, challenge their buddies to an era appropriate competition for it, <laughs> and then dialed up to 11. And then the next generation gets fed that knowledge, and it's not going away. I mean, the biathlon rifles, all of the Olympic shooting rifles are. Not all of them. There's air rifle and whatever. But for the large part, they're 22 long rifle. And so yeah. for people who are really trying to optimize Olympic-level shooting performance, you've got Olympic-level R&D going into the ammunition for, yep. for these sports. And so you have that top-level support, and it goes the whole way to grassroots, which is why it's, it's hugely popular. Can it,
0: can it get any better than this? Uh, well, that's an often debated topic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> can, can rifles get better than the one that's sitting on the table? Is that what you're asking? Oh well, I don't or, know about this one on the rifle. Oh yeah.
0: You're talking about everybody keeps pushing the boundaries and then you oh. just, well, and sometimes then, you think look, to yourself, like, I mean, we're talking about oh, yeah. controlled feeding, super accurate yep. rifles that are shooting twenty three dollar boxes of twenty two LR and they got yeah, you know, crazy awesome optics on top, which again we have to get to. But where can they keep going? Well,
3: lay, you lay look at just like anything,
0: bullets. even lathe turn bullets, lathe turn bolts. You know, but yep. but look and three D printed twenty two ex- LR.
2: That's not a bad idea, Jim. Patented.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. consider that a patent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's how that works. We'll talk to. Yep, Eddie. you just say but it, and then it's, totally it's like it a um, shotgun.
2: I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah, you just yeah, did. <laughs> <then> yep. <you're
3: good. laughs> <laughs> But look at look at technology says as technology even with the centerfire stuff or whatever you got. You got range finders, ballistic calculators, things that just weren't there before that yeah. you can take and apply to, you know, centerfire yeah. game, 22 LR game, whatever.
0: Is the 22 Creedmoor a rimfire or is it a centerfire? Centerfire. Okay. Anyway, let's talk about the equipment here. Yeah. You have on the table in front of us.
1: What is this which one is this a CZ what? It's a CZ 457, so it's the the new iteration of the the 452, the 455, and now we're on the 457. Okay. So CZ, it's, it's a bolt-action 22 that yep. feeds from the same... Can I um, Yeah, please. It bites, though, so be careful. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so it feeds uh, from the same magazines that have been really popular for a long time, but they fixed a couple of things, in my opinion... On that rifle, that were like mild inconveniences that you had to put up with before. And okay. now I think there's absolutely zero excuse. So the first of those things is now the safety. Fun little mag. There it is. <laughs> now the safety goes the correct direction. So it's pushed to fire. <laughs> push For the long fire. time, it was you know toward you was was fire. Just um, silly. They've got a really nice adjustable trigger in it now, and then the. Trigger guard is is metal rather than,
3: was it polymer before or just
1: stamped? Ah, uh, stamped. Uh, yeah. yeah. So do,
3: they, do you think they changed that for functionality or because they got tired of fielding the call, hey, you put my safety on backwards?
1: Yeah, I think there were enough 4-H instructors that were like, hey, we would run CZs, but everyone's okay. going to go home to their Remington 700 and the safety is going to be backwards. Yep. So mm, if yep. we're training these kids on 22s to go shoot a 700 30-06 for you know, a deer camp, they're gonna have yeah. their rifle on safe accidentally because they have their hundreds of rounds of practice on on a safety this back. or maybe yeah. worse. Yeah, have yeah, it, yeah. Well,
3: have it on unsafe.
0: Now you right. were you were talking about you were talking about putting a different stock on this gun for comp, yeah. for competition use. Yep. But then but then you also mentioned how this gun is a popular one for base class. Yeah. Why would you want to put? Would you if you put a different stock on this, you'd probably wind up going into open. Or yeah. Something? So do there, you want to go into open or? Um,
1: I like open. I mean, I I dabble in a lot of different um, competitive shooting disciplines and hunting disciplines. I like to think of myself as like a slow burn, try to do it all slowly over time and kind of gradually get better rather than do one thing until it hurts and burn out and not like it anymore. Oh, so right. so I have, I have a nice PRS rifle, and so I've been enjoying that sport. And one of the things that we've been able to do is um, – because we have a range here, so we've been able to do a little friendly office competition on on Wednesday evening. So one of the competitions that we've been doing is like a precision rifle night here, but it got really old really fast. Sending fifty dollars of fire long range ammunition mm. into a hundred yard trap, um, yeah. Because like as fun as it was, and shooting you know one and a half two M away targets at at hundred yards is is no small feat off of you know different positions and barricades. Okay, right, right. but. Yeah, it just got expensive and I think people were like, man, this hurts my wallet a lot, but we still want to hang out and do this. And so I was like, well, hey, you know, we could start doing NRL 22 and so we were we were going to push that direction. So then with this rifle, I thought, you know, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to be super excited because it's going to be perfect for NRL 22. I'm probably going to put a nice optic on it because now that I work here, especially in engineering, I've become an optic snob. Yes. And so um, that's pretty much immediately going to put me out of base class because I'm spending at least <laughs> the base class budget on my optic now. Yep. Um, but I, I wanted this to kind of be able to do both things because I, I also hunt small game as a part of that mm-hmm. slow burn. And so I thought, well, you know, we'll do the Woodstock, you know, CZ-457 varmint. So, uh, but I'm gonna throw a nice piece of glass on there, so I can shoot NRL22 with it if I want to, or I can, you know, shoot small game with it. Well, before we got the NRL22 stuff up and running, we had rabbit and squirrel season, and I fell in love with this rifle in this configuration, and now I don't want to take the stock off. And so, if I was gonna get another, if I was gonna get another uh, stock to switch over to NRL22, I don't know. I kind of just want to leave this either to shoot NRL22 as it is, lend, lend it to somebody. You know, I have. There's constantly new people coming to try stuff. So, you know, here I, either I'll shoot this and you can take the other thing that's coming, or 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 whatever. Um, we'll figure it out. But that's kind of why it's 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 living in the configuration that it is. But I've been shooting with it recently in NRL 22 environments. I find it to be extremely capable. Even in this configuration, which is really encouraging to uh, Like people. a
0: different stock or a chassis would give you what? Like an adjustable chip yep. piece, a little bit better a bipod mounting solution? Yeah, exactly. A little bit um, better balance. maybe? I'm
1: an Arca Rail snob now, too. Oh, okay. Um, Jeez. Gotta, You're cl- all gotta the clip into the tripod. That's true. I have quickly gone from accessible to um, excessive. Yeah, excessive. <laughs> but similar um, word, different meaning. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> so, what it is.
0: Speaking of the optic, then mm-hmm. we'll spare people the, the waiting game, and maybe yeah. by now you've already heard it too. But atop of this nice wood stocked varmint yeah. style rifle, you've got a kind of a more tactical looking optic. Yes. So that's part of what throws maybe somebody off, or when they first give a, a quick glance at it, you have the new Strike Eagle 5 to 25 by 56. On top of this bad boy, I do, which and is I a have, pretty sweet new. Object. I have
1: been really seriously enjoying it, both in the woods and in the field. There have been some some squirrels that have disappeared because of this strike eagle. I, I was going to um, say,
3: man, this looks like one hell of a squirrel. Get-out. Yeah. No,
1: I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't play in the squirrel
3: woods. Um, <laughs> so now, Seth ain't playing, dog. <laughs> yeah, to give to give anymore. the
0: quick rundown on what this optic is all about for those listening and those watching who've been wondering what it is. You've got thirty four millimeter tube, five to twenty five by fifty six. Yeah. Yep. An, an illuminated EBR seven C reticle. Yep parallax adjustment down to 15. I'm sure we'll yep. get into that being 22 podcast. Locking turrets. Yep. Integrated new rev stop zero stop system which was uh pioneered by the Razer LHT. And it's a new oh first focal plane. Yep. And it's a new foray into the Strike Eagle line which yeah. was previously just a couple of low power variables the 1 to 6 and the 1 to 8 that are really popular probably I'd say probably like our most
3: sold scopes that we have well and I, I guess the only thing i'd add to that jim is we're talking about this rifle scope in the talk to- in the context of 22 long rifle it is by no means limited no. oh my gosh
0: yes because inevitably what you say if anybody asks you what's a great rimfire scope then you know you suggest one they say oh well can it not handle 308 so no <laughs> uh, that's not yep. what that means it's, yep. people put people put razor gen twos i've seen it uh, on yep NRL 22 rigs. Yep. Does that mean it's only rim fire rated? No. Uh, so, anyways, thank you for clearing the air on that. Well, it's a good thing to do.
1: It's the snobbery at work. Yes. So, <laughs> so
0: and these are going to retail for somewhere around 700 bucks. 799 I believe. Seven ninety. okay. Yeah, 7 on the street. Why does this scope make its, uh, or why is this scope such a great NRL 22 scope?
1: So, for for all the things you mentioned, like in in the instance that you have to do like long-range precision shooting stuff, the, the Gen 2 Razor is, is like cream of the crop right now. I mean, you've got all of those features you mentioned, but it's at a significantly higher price point, and there's a couple of extra things in there, but this really has everything you need or really could want to shoot precision shooting without the couple of extra things that, that really justify right the, the, the top-tier price point. And so you've got locking turrets. So you're not going to accidentally change your zero off of a barricade. But they are also dialable turrets. So if you're going to be compensating for your 2 mils at 100 yards for your NRL-22 match, you have the ability to dial or you have the ability to hold on the first focal plane reticle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mm-hmm. zoom ratio magnification range, 5 to 25, is really close to four and a half, twenty-seven. Um, but with that 5X oh, yeah. erector system, you get the important range, mag range, to do all of the stuff that you would do for precision rifle shooting, you've got adjustable parallax, and and this adjustable parallax goes from 15 yards to infinity. So for the center fire precision rifle competitor, you might, uh, you do a lot of practice so you get better, right? And so one of the ways you practice is dry fire. And so if you're in your house and you set up targets to dry fire, you might have a 15 yard hallway, or you might have something 15 yards taped to your bird feeder in the backyard, and you can adjust your parallax ben there. there. <laughs> yeah, right. Or you might shoot things off your bird feeder in your backyard. I didn't shoot things <laughs> off the of bird feeder, but I
0: do remember it had a very satisfying squirrel, anti squirrel thing on the bottom of it that if you yeah. shot, it made a good sound. That's awesome. With a red rider be Playing. Yeah. Respect.
1: Anyway. But uh, yeah, so being able to get down to 15 yards gives you the ability to focus on, on targets at that distance at higher magnifications. But yeah, so you can use that to dry fire or just shoot targets at fifteen yards. Sure. So what,
0: what are usually the closest targets in an NRL twenty two match?
1: Probably 20, 20 yards or so. Okay. Um, so you are well, but yeah, you are well within the range of this. So that's nice, well, especially then, with positional
3: shooting, where you may be yeah.
0: kind of some compromised position where you can't yeah, get the perfect
3: absolutely yeah eye position. And and then I guess on the other side of that, like what's the longest the longest target in like an NRL match?
1: Yeah. So the NRL twenty two organization sends out five stages every month. So every NRL 22 club, I guess, which is kind of a loosely defined word, gets these stages, and you run those stages. You score those, and then you submit those, and then you get ranked with everyone else. Hmm. All of those stages are within 100 yards, which keeps it super accessible, because then, yeah, everyone who's got a 100-yard range can run an NRL 22 match. But they also provide a stage... Like template, so that you can write your own stages that go further than that. So you can have your own like club match where you're shooting stuff at 350 yards okay. uh, with a 22, which is pretty bananas. But I mean, mm-hmm. you might be shooting stuff at at 350 on whatever bonus stage, and it just gives the club the flexibility to cater to to their equipment and their their consumers too, right? True. So the cool thing about like like NRL is pretty rigid. I mean, they're, it's super competitive, and you have people that are there to win. And the same could be true for NRL Twenty Two, but I think the general air is a lot more friendly and welcoming. Like if you're the guy who's like, I am here to crush everyone at this match. Yeah, you're, you're not gonna make a lot of friends in an NRL Twenty Two no, match. No. Uh, <laughs> <you're-> <laughs> so, just be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be- yeah, be- because it's more welcoming. I, I think you, you can do. They're more lenient on the rule set, so yeah. you could have a twenty two pistol stage. You could have a run and gun NRL twenty two stage, yeah. and it's all kind of allowed within the rules because they're they're the bonus stages that don't technically count for anyone in your club. Yeah. So you're able to kind of do what you want with your community.
0: And speaking of you know longer shots and whatnot with yeah. the twenty two, so that would require adjustment. Absolutely. So that, and that that was one thing that I thought was pretty neat about this scope having a 34 mil tube. Yep. It's got over 100 minutes and I know 31 yep. 31 mils, 31 mils of adjustment, yeah. which is a lot.
1: It it's more than you probably need shooting 22s. I mean that that's a ton. That's
0: that's getting up there in Razer territory, I mean the Razer Gen two. I want to say is somewhere around there. What's what's about, that?
2: About the same. About the yeah, same. Yep. And then
0: the Razer Gen one, five to twenty, which was yeah. you know is still sort of the elevation adjustment king, range yeah. king. Yep, yep. that's thirty six mils. One twenty five. One twenty five MOA. Yeah. MOA thirty six yeah. mils. So I mean it's it's very close to that, and yeah. ha- and at half the price of that scope. Yep. Which so what is a, super cool.
3: When you're talking about shooting three hundred yards, yep, with a twenty two, how much adjustment are you using there? Like, what would you have to dial up? copious but, amount. Yes.
2: Um I can run some math here real quick. Yeah, I don't, I don't know off the top the, the of my head. Hardest, the hardest part with the twenty-two long long-rifle long-range stuff is trying to calculate a BC. Yep. Um, because it's not, oh, often, right. it's not often posted, and the stuff that is posted is pretty all over the map. And is it
0: yeah. like even a, a G1 or a G7? Or it's a, it could be it a, its G, a G1
2: profile, but most of them are like right around .08 to .1. 0.12, maybe they're not very efficient. Yeah, so it's but they're fun. We'll, <laughs> we're, we're just going to set this at a 0.1 G1 BC, so bad. Um, and I'm gonna,
3: translation, I'm gonna, yep.
2: translation bad. Yep. I'm going to set a muzzle velocity of 1080. Uh, we're going to do a bullet diameter of 0.223, bullet weight of 40 grains. Zero distance of a hundred, scope height of one point nine. What uh calculator are you using there? Uh just a mobile based one. It's called iSnipe. Okay. Just
3: While Ryan's doing this, Jim, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a car reference in there for you. Sometimes you talk about like, oh, you could have like a really fast car or you could drive a slow car fast. Oh yeah. Fastest <laughs> car in the world. You know what that is, right? Rental car, baby. Rental car. That's right. <laughs> Jim Jim told me that joke, and I lol'd multiple that's times throughout the day. Um, <laughs> it's like, funny because it's true. But, it but is, I feel that's kind of almost a, an analogy. There, it's more fun to drive a slow car fast than to drive a fast car slow. Yeah, yep. and then you know you've got these twenty twos that yeah. no, are you shooting them a thousand yards? No, but you're shooting them hundred yards, and it's yeah hundred 5 100, two, two, three it. four five six you know like. yeah
0: you're putting it t- you're stretching it to its max and staying within reasonable limits of what most people can achieve at most ranges right yep. you know perfect I, storm it is it is i like that a lot and another thing too speaking of while well, ryan's getting into the uh, beautiful mind stuff over there <laughs> um regarding adjustment so yep. this has the zero stop the yeah. her, uh what do we the yeah. red stop, stop zero, zero system. system yep and it really is it's a zero stop it's unique. It's super easy to set. It's uh just like one piece that you put in the turret yourself. I mean, it,
3: it couldn't if, be simpler. If you know righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, you, you can set the stop. Yeah. yeah,
0: And it does take up, right now, a little bit of the adjustment range. So, if yep. you get zeroed from your zero position, you wouldn't necessarily have the full range of adjustment there, but still you get 18 mils. Yeah.
1: Which, which is a lot. It's beyond usable for like 90% of 22, but yeah. also PRS stuff. I've
0: never had to dial 18 mils for anything. No. I guess that's what I, I mean, I, I, when I, when I shot a 6.5 Creedmoor at yep. 1,200 yards, I think it was just at like 12.1 mils. Yep. Right. So, anyway, but just for reference for folks out there, I mean, if you're trying to shoot a Bazillion yards with this thing. It does take up a little <laughs> bit of the available yeah. so, uh,
3: and I guess that's that's part of the reason why I was asking Ryan this question, just kind of put things in perspective. Like people are like, oh that might limit my travel, but really what does that mean? You know right. So how what do you what are you showing there, right? So I'm
2: gonna make a correction to the, the data I put in here. The CCI target 40 grain bullet has a posted BC of 0. 0.149. So he's kicked, kicked it up That's a little bit. Yeah, whereas a lot of the other stuff is like 0. 0.1, 0. 0.11. Uh, anyway, so with a 100-yard zero, and I went with the environmentals today at Vortex
0: and a five-mile-an-hour... You mean rainy as heck with a chance of virus? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, uh, I, I set it for our elevation uh, and, and all that stuff. At 200 yards with a 100-yard zero... You will require five point two mils of adjustment.
0: My gosh. That's what you need. Six so six five Creed, you need that for six hundred yards, About if that. I'm not yeah. mistaken.
2: The yep. ten mil mark, which is kind of the magic number with a lot of the six five ammo, comes into play at two hundred and eighty yards. You're not even to three hundred yet. No. And that's what's required at a thousand. At at five hundred yards. You require twenty six point seven five mils of adjustment. Whee! Okay, so, so if you're you have shooting ex- at to five hundo, <laughs> yeah. you may want to take yep. that
0: zero stop out. Yeah. But chances are, if you're dialing that much, you're probably paying attention to it. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, yep. so where it gets really wild is the wind. So we we talk about when you're holding a mil of wind, like we shoot a lot at our thousand yard range, and, and you know if you've got a five mile an hour shift at a thousand at at that range, the way that the intersecting and and differing degrees of winds, a mill to a mill and a half is a pretty tall wind call. Um, for a lot of things, uh, you require one mill of wind hold with a five mile an hour shift at 210 yards. So it it, it compounds very quickly. Right. And so it shows you your mistakes in a very, very condensed distance. And it behaves much the same as it would if you were stretching your regular centerfire out too long and extra long range.
0: Yeah. Now, one thing, actually, we should note, you can shoot with this scope out to 500 yards with the zero-stop installed because your reticle... Mm. Yep. And I'm on 12x right now, which at 500 yards, you you don't need more than uh, 12x to see the target well. And reticle is perfectly visible, and it goes down to 10 mils. So, you have an additional, you know, in yep. theory, if you add on the reticle mm-hmm. there that you can hold over oh, sure. at 18 mils, you could go to 28 mils. Before you even pull a zero stop out. I am.
2: Fun fact: You impact a 500-yard target at 655 feet per second (laughs) with 38 foot-pounds of muzzle energy. Oh, 38 foot-pounds of of
0: projectile energy. Just enough to pierce the rump of Mark's friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) 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 through
2: through the through the blue jean. I think
3: it's still in him. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. What? That's awesome. I can't remember. That's the story. This is this is the story he told. (laughs) Yep. Wow. What but a story!
2: It, it is a heck of a lot of fun. Flight time, bullet flight time—that's another fun part of this. One point eight five seconds.
3: Oof.
2: You, okay. So you 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 <laughs> pull the trigger quick enough, you can get multiple rounds downrange before impact, and then they all go ding ding ding.
3: The time of flight was uh, at what distance? Five hundred yards. Five hundred. One
2: point eight five seconds. That's an eternity.
3: That Two is. Yep. Two one thousand. That's
2: a lot of time for wind to impart. And gravity to impart some, uh, oh my gosh. some effect on
1: that. Jerry Mitchellik's rattled off like 12 rounds, yep. 15 rounds yep. at <laughs> that point. Yep. That would be <laughs> so. <laughs> really Wait, interesting
0: eight. to like watch on video. At Jerry, that's your next quick shooting challenge. <laughs> we <laughs> challenge Jerry Mitchellik to see how many shots he can get with a 22 at 500 yards before the first one hits.
1: Yep. Yes. I like that. I, I challenged Jerry because I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Good person to challenge then, huh? Uh, yeah. That's cool but, stuff. Yeah. Other thing to point out, it is lighter than like our 2 razor because there's not mm-hmm. as much stuff going on in the in the turret. Mm-hmm. Um okay. it comes in just a hair over thirty ounces. So especially if you are gonna make a dual purpose rifle out of it and run it through the woods, you've got all of your big scope long range features that you could want at fifteen Mm-hmm. Ounces lighter than yeah. the the Gentoo razors are, and being
0: um, illuminated too. Then when you back it yeah. down to five, you can still yep. see it in the timber and stuff yeah. like that when yeah, you're trying to hunt nice. squirrels.
1: And- the other time I found the illumination to be really helpful. I I I have a four and a half twenty-seven, and I almost never use my illumination, just because I haven't had much of a need to. But when I was shooting that like NRL twenty-two targets here our trap at our range oh, is like sure. a dark gray yeah. black. Oh, yeah. And if you're shooting a gray circle that was previously painted white until you spattered it with lead for three hours, then it's really difficult to find the the target without the illuminated reticle. And so I just, boop, bumped it on. I got a red reticle, super high contrast, and I just... Pounding, pounding nice. targets.
3: Nice. So. Now, and for those environmentals, now are you setting that reticle at its top end? Are you setting the reticle to, to stun, or just a, <laughs> a couple, uh, just a couple? I, uh,
1: I, I don't know. They're depending on lighting conditions. Just like with the first focal plane, um, like a razor one to six or low power variable. As I was trying to say, um, like our our one to six or one to ten. If you set it too bright for the room. It lets you know by, by blooming yep. and being, or a red dot even, by yeah. being kind of obnoxious. And so I wear glasses. I had an astigmatism. My glasses mostly sorted out. But I found that by dialing the light down to where it was actually useful for the thing I'm trying to do yeah. mm-hmm. is where it's optimal. Yeah, so just I'm not to the uh, point where it's not obnoxious. Yeah, I'm not a dial it up to 11 uh, all the time with my illumination guy because that's not where it's appropriate. So that's why we have a sitting 7 <laughs> <laughs> you know, is, or else it would be an on-off. That is I have, uh, I have a
2: question for Seth on topic, but kind of divergent. Have you ever heard of twenty-two
1: Calibri? Uh, the, like, smallest cartridge in the is world? Is that just how
0: you spell caliber in Britain?
1: Uh, no. So, the I should say the Super Calibris, not
2: the Calibri. Oh, okay. But that same company that makes the 60-grain Sniper Subsonic, they make a cartridge called the Calibri. And on the box, it's kind of a rainbow color. Yeah, Mark's got it
3: right there. I own some of these as well, and they are also great for urban pest control. So what's really special
2: about it, they don't have any powder in the case. Oh, yeah. Okay. These ones? Yeah. So they've got a hopped up priming system. Yep. And I want to say it's a 29 grain bullet at 510 feet per second. Yep. So because I know my father will never listen to this podcast, (laughs) I don't think he knows what a podcast is. I used to shoot twenty-two Calibri's in my basement.
3: I was just about to add. I don't recommend shooting them indoors. But I used to shoot but... them in my
0: basement.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Not recommended, but I did it.
2: Uh, and, and so I was wondering if at home yet you've uh, you've talked your wife into allowing you to practice with super Calibri. I
0: bet you could fashion your own trap, one of those snail style. Oh, you totally could. You can buy them.
2: They yeah. make a big
0: uh, enough for your basement. Yeah, yeah,
2: they make an in-home twenty-two long rifle. Yeah. I think champion.
1: What? My, yeah, I don't know. My buddy had is. one. Yeah, but don't my mess with him. I am
0: one hundred percent. I can promise you, I've never. Basement.
2: <laughs>
1: right, Play I've
2: this. I've not punched a hole in my father's drywall with a super clippery round. Um, a uh, yellow pages book works really good too, and they're spectacularly accurate. Yep. So, I, yeah,
3: I have not done that, but I have. I guess I Many, know what you're doing this weekend. <laughs> I'm trying to think yep. what's, what's, what's the velocity on those things? I want to say it's
2: 510 feet it's per It's not
3: second, a lot. If, no, if I remember correctly. No, I they're pushing pellet gun territory there. I,
1: yeah,
2: with a heavier projectile. Yeah. And that's where it, that's where it gets its snooze. Oh, that's true. Its yep. noose. that's um, cool. They're neat. And so the, the super calibris, being the full length case, will feed out of a lot of, like you could single feed a Ruger 1022. Whereas you really can't, oh yeah, yeah, you really can't single feed a twenty two short out of them unless you heavily modify your magazines or you buy the special magazines for them. Yeah, but they're a neat, they're a neat uh, projectile, a neat neat round. Yeah, you should put that one on your radar. Be fun to fun. see your testing. Bring track a, a whole new level. Do they make yep, a exactly. twenty
0: two where it uh, just shoots salt at flies? The bug assault. Yeah, but like better and cooler. Yeah,
2: so they make the bird <laughs> shot. Which is usually a number 10 or a number 12. Right, which yep. baffles
0: me. How, what, does that actually have an effective use? Yeah. So in modern guns, not as much as you'd think. No, I know. I see, I've seen <laughs> that. I just wonder. It, but there I were, can't imagine what it would actually
2: There's, There's two to styles do. to those. There's the capsule and the crimp. And what I've actually found you, the crimp
3: ones are what? better. I did I mean to yell at you? I, I'm so used to it, Jim. I didn't even notice. <laughs> It's just how they communicate. It's like being at home. Oh, (laughs) my gosh.
1: Brutal. Mark will not Uh, be
3: shooting 22 caliber in his basement. Um, He doesn't have a basement.
2: (laughs) Some time ago, Marlin and Winchester and Remington, all three made a smooth bore only 22 long rifle. And they were either bolt or pump. And a lot of times they were referred to as garden guns. The idea was you had mice or rabbits or voles or moles or... Any number dates. of small creatures in your garden that were eating your vegetables. But you didn't want to take out the 4570 to Bam! take care Bam! of it. So they made these bolt action or slide action, pump action 22s that did not have rifling, and you shot the birdshot cartridge or the birdshot cases out of them.
0: That is amazing.
2: What is really amazing is that with the Remington 572 Fieldmaster smoothbore that had a bead front, just like a shotgun would. They used to have a game they called Moskeet. So we think of the shotgun game Skeet and then we think of Mosquito and My Lord. They called it Moskeet. And they had these teeny tiny little clay pigeons. And then they made an adapter for Ritz crackers. And they have a tiny little thrower. And it was a gallery game, just like we talked about earlier. And you used that pump action Remington and you shot flying. Ritz crackers or these tiny little Mosquito Clays.
3: Can you do this indoors as well?
2: That's it, that's what it was done with because the shot that it shot is like ten shot or twelve shot. It's right. like so twelve. You just have a, a heavy curtain, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so or, or like a stiff breeze, even probably uh, like you
3: just, <laughs> just so, a fan so, facing you. Was that, think, was that a ricochet? No, stiff breeze to
2: to like scale number twelve shot. I want to say it's twenty two hundred pellets per ounce. It's like sand. We used to slip them into the trap pouches of our uh trap coaches when you we were in high school and you couldn't break a bird at the 16 yard line with them so when you shoot them out of these obviously their effective range is pretty nil but you you can if you get handy enough i think you could probably peel a yellow jacket out of the sky yeah that i don't know that
3: is interesting i don't know um kind of switching gears but along the same premise of like uh these guys here with mm-hmm. kind of the blue plastic uh yeah encasing they made them for 44s yeah as mm-hmm. well yep just didn't seem that like uh, shot one at a grouse one time useless, it, and I'm talking about I want to say feet five feet yeah useless and it's not like ah oh, crippled him and lost him like I don't think like he wasn't hurt yeah he was just kind of like ah what I don't heck, know man?
2: was that it's like pocket sand pocket sand it's just like <laughs> nothing nothing happened
0: yeah I've a surprise I have a
2: similar story with a jackrabbit. <laughs> I went antelope hunting. It was, uh was the second time I ever went antelope hunting. My buddy and I went out, and we were positive we were going to get inundated with rattlesnakes, like mm. all over the place. Because, you know, you're in the American West, and it's kind of still hot out. So he went out, and he's like, well, what are we going to do about snakes? And so we didn't want to buy the snake boots that go up to your knees. Right.
3: That's just uncomfortable. But
2: yeah. we both had 38 special snub-nosed revolvers, and then we bought a bunch of snake shot. And... Um, You know, we had small game licenses, too. And here's this jackrabbit. And we're thinking, oh, this is going to be perfect. We just use a 38 revolver. It's like shooting a 410 at him. We're going to get a rabbit for the pot. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to have a great night. And if anybody listening has never run into a jackrabbit, a lot of times they don't just bust. They just kind of, like, fold their ears back and pretend that they're a rock. And you can get pretty close to them. So he sneaks up. He was shooting a Ruger SP-101, short-barreled revolver, a little guy. And uh, he like he sneaks up through the sagebrush on this jackrabbit, and of course I'm watching. I'm like, this is perfect. This is gonna be awesome. And same thing, he's like feet away, and he cocks back, and I'm like, oh cool, we're gonna have dinner. Pow! And the rabbit didn't move. <laughs> 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 and, and oh like, man! I'm like, I can't believe he missed. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like ten feet away, and cocks back. Pow! And finally, the rabbit kind of like looked at him, like acknowledged that he was there, and was like <laughs> like what are you doing, man? <laughs> and then like just kind of hopped off and, and, and then he kind of like looked at me like defeated, like there were blanks in that gun or something like that. And, and I don't, their effectiveness is very subjective. Yeah. There's better, there's better ways to do it. Cause I do know guys that load center fire revolver cartridges with shot. Okay. And they can peel a grouse off the trail at pretty considerable distances. It's not those. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I was gonna say, don't don't persecute me on that one because it was one shot, one time, and you were disappointed. Right? You got <laughs> to You got to get the. You got to get the crimped,
2: the Sp- crimped ones. The crimped ones we found were way better out of the smoothbore guns. My buddy's grandpa had one of those Remington pumps with the smoothbore, and uh, the crimped ones patterned like you could do stuff with them. Really? Yep. Yep. Made a very very good uh, English sparrow. Uh, inside the barn, inside the garage.
3: What about, you know, if you are putting it through a rifled barrel, any, any risk to...
2: Not to the gun, but it's going to spin your your shot column, that diminutive tiny little shot column, and you're going to have a terrible pattern dispersion. Right. Like, and that
3: that could have been as much of yeah, our problem as anything correct.
2: else. You're already shooting sand at, at whatever you're shooting at, and then now the pattern dispersion's terrible. Right. Yeah. The versatility of the long rifle.
0: It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's
2: yeah. It everything. really is. Yep.
0: It has done everything. You can get yep. tracers for him. What? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Regular people can get tracers Reg- yeah. Oh, yeah. for him?
1: Was it Piney it, Wood ammunition? Yeah, I think, or Pine Mountain? Yeah. Pine? Yeah, yeah Mountain, some something. Pine.
0: 22 Tracers.
1: Pine-themed
0: company? 22 hour that blows up when it hits something.
1: I don't know of any incendiary 22s, no, but I'm sure with a little bit of basement chemistry, we could make that happen. That's probably not legal. No. <laughs> <laughs> Off Do not the record. try it off. Off, the record. Off. off Only you. I don't
3: know how to make it so <laughs> Seth didn't say that. Right. right. it be a
0: 12-second-long right. beep in the podcast.
3: Yeah, anyway. Okay,
0: so 22LR. I have a feeling we have a lot more that we can talk about, 22LR, uh, some other future podcasts. We want to hear your guys' thoughts. If um, by now Trent Brenny is still listening, I'm sure he enjoyed, sure he yep. enjoyed this one. Yep. Hey, Trent. I
1: feel guilty big, sitting in this seat instead of Trent being here. Yeah, but,
0: big 22 yeah. fan, big time listener as well. I, I wonder if he
1: knows him. about Centerfire cartridges.
0: Centerfire 22s?
2: No, just Centerfire in general.
0: Oh, just does in general? T- does, does Trent he know, they know they that they make that? Um, Trent, do you? Comment question. (laughs) Comment below. Comment.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Anyway, but also let us know what other 22 stuff we should talk about.
3: With that being said, with that being said, from rats to elephants, I'm surprised we actually invented other cartridges, but we did. Thank goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who needs them? That's right. We'll do it all.
0: Okay. Well, we'll see you next time, and uh, everybody, stay healthy and stay safe out there. It's weird when you do a podcast and it's going to release in a month, and you don't know what's going to happen in a month. For all, everything's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Everything's going to be great. Yep. All right. Hope everything's great. We'll see you next time. <laughs> see ya. Bye. Bye. All right. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram, at VortexNationPodcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you can take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.